Hi, everyone. It's Stephen Handysides here from the Medical Business Academy and My Face, My Body. And I have the wonderful Marie Ollison from Real Patient Ratings again. Uh, and we've got um, a pretty cool topic for you this week. Um, and it's all about increasing conversions at consultations. Now, I know all of you out there want to get more business uh, from your consultations. And um, and uh, everyone we, we've spoken to uh, uh, within the industry are just looking to, to obviously schedule some more procedures from the patients they see. So, Marie, um, welcome to the show this week. Thank you. Now, Marie, you have so much data. Um, where do we start? I mean, just based on this uh, topic of increasing conversions at consultation, can you tell us a little bit um, about the data that you've collected uh, through real patient ratings? Yes. Um, patients have answered over 6 million questions about their uh, consultation, surgical, or med spa experience. And we survey in what I'm going to call a tactical approach, which is we're asking them about elements of their experience, and then we're trying to correlate that to their ultimately, uh, whether they scheduled or not. So, for example, um, how available were appointments and how did that impact ultimate scheduling rates? And then, of course, the ultimate satisfaction with their consult is a huge factor because people who are highly satisfied at the end of their consult are twice as likely to schedule as people who are only satisfied. Now, in terms of the rating, if we just go back, um, if, if uh, our listeners haven't heard some of our earlier um, podcasts, is what is the uh, striving for five? There's there's five different levels, isn't there? Very satisfied, right. satisfied, and then what's below that? Neutral, dissatisfied, and highly dissatisfied. See. So the behavior of someone who gives you a five, they're highly satisfied, is that they are tw- they're twice as likely to schedule a consultation, twice as likely to refer after service. They have greater what's called customer lifetime value. They're highly loyal. And so there's great incentive to try and understand what elements of the experience, you know, contribute to them being highly satisfied and then making sure you deliver on those uh, parts of their experience. It is amazing that there is such a difference between someone being satisfied and then obviously ultra satisfied, very satisfied on that. I mean, how does the satisfaction affect the scheduling? Well, um, there's there was there's a study or a methodology called Top Box, and basically that's Top Box. It was it came out of Harvard and. That is the, they are the ones who discovered this different loyalty behavior of people who give you a five. So the people who are, give you a four are the same as the people who are neutral. And a lot of people, if you don't have a survey-based system, you don't know what scores people are giving you. So it makes it hard, but you can still learn from our data um, about elements of the consult experience that matter to people, and then you can make sure that your 
um, your practice is doing well on those elements. Yep. And yeah. Oh yeah. So just in, in, in terms of the, the consultation itself, I know um, we've had a lot of focus um, with the Medical Business Academy and, and doing some e-learning modules, not on terms of what should be said clinically, but in terms of the customer service and experience of that. In terms of your experience into you know running a, a practice yourself and you've got many plastic surgeons and, and uh, doctors that are working within the practice, what do you think are really the key elements of that should be in that consultation that really improve that likelihood that they're going to go ahead with the, the procedure afterwards? What are some of the key elements within that consultation? Well, I think the number one is really to be patient-driven. So you can't have a consult um, that is exactly the same for every patient because people are different. And let's say that you're a big augmentation practice, but you don't want to provide financing. You know, that's a disconnect. So it has to be rational. And if um, if your schedule means people are waiting six to eight weeks to see you, then that's a huge problem because many cosmetic patients um, act very quickly on a short time frame. And so we just are operating on a lady who, um, it was eight weeks for her to see the doctor who was the first name on her list. And when she talked to me about it, um, she said, they told me they would call back if there was a cancellation, but nobody ever called me back. So, you know, a small thing of keeping a wait list and moving people forward that you know are interested in surgery. What do you think? I mean, there's a lot of plastic surgeons I talk to that have pretty busy schedules, and it's the non-surgical part of the business, which um, is probably not working as efficiently as the, as it could. Um, but... I mean, it can leave a bad taste, I presume, you know, in terms of patients not being able to get into a surgeon. But if they've got a really good name, do you think patients, what, what do you, is there a limit to what you think is reasonable for a, for a patient to wait to see a, a very reputable surgeon? Well, I'm, I'm going to put it to you. I think people will wait, but I think the bigger question is, is your consult schedule filling your surgery schedule? So if your surgery schedule is completely full, really, the, as a business, you can make people wait as long as you want. Mm-hmm. But if your surgery schedule is not full and you have people waiting for weeks to see you, then that makes no sense at all. So why isn't that consult schedule delivering the amount of surgery that you need. And so with AUGS, for instance, they make a decision within seven days. So if you can't see them for three weeks, then unless you have good confirmation um, protocol, you may have a no-show sitting on your calendar that doesn't enable you to put someone else in that um, slot. And I think, you know, that the example you used of uh, the the patient that said, you know, she waited for quite a substantial amount of time, but then no one actually rung her up, even if there wasn't a cancellation, I think out of courtesy and possibly to still have that potential of that patient coming in at some stage, 
then a nice phone call or something like that out of courtesy to say, look, nothing's come up this week. We're still thinking of you, um, you know, to, to possibly schedule you in. Um, but, I mean, what do you think? I mean, that's customer service really at the forefront, right, isn't it? exactly. And, you know, maybe offering a nurse consult or uh, some other method to get to know the practice so that she'll stay on the list and wait. I mean, just thinking of and this, then, do, I mean, do you think you could offer, you know, in, if you were that hungry for, um, you know, growing uh, the business is you could offer something, you know, uh, complimentary to them because of the long wait could be a non-surgical treatment, which might eventually end up, you know, them having a series of non-surgical treatments. But just to get them inside, get them into that, um, uh, into your practice and, and, and start to really deliver on that customer experience while they're waiting for maybe a bigger surgical procedure? Yes. I think if you vetted the patient enough that you really know, say it's referred by another patient or you're very sure about their likelihood to schedule. I've never done that, but I have heard of people offering um, a, a discount coupon or something in their med spa facial or something as an apology for a wait. And I haven't really heard the data about it, but it, it makes sense that it shows interest and shows respect. Okay, great. So in terms of the um, the data, I mean, I, I know um, within the report that I've read, you know, we talk about bef- using before and after uh, images in the consultation. How does that really affect the decision-making process um, for a particular Well, well it has a really big impact. And so if you consider that what are, what patients are going to need to see results in order to make their decision, then you have to make sure that your before and after pictures are in order. And people who are highly satisfied with the before and after pictures um, are much more likely to schedule uh, 65% more likely to schedule than those who are indifferent or who saw no pictures. So there are still people out there who are giving consults without photos, which makes no sense to me. Now, and if I'll keep going, Marie, keep going. Well, it's just, and if your pictures aren't in good order, uh, you know, people don't necessarily know how to judge our medical quality, but they know how to judge if you're presenting photos in a way that's useful. And there was another study that was done that also had that high correlation between satisfaction with uh, photo galleries and the impact on scheduling. And just that single element in the other study increased likelihood to schedule around 35%, which is a big impact. So back to your original question of what are the things that you're going to do to get yourself ready to schedule consults. You're going to have photos. You're going to have a schedule that's going to enable patients to actually make an appointment in a timely way. Uh, You're going to know your prices and they're going to be consistent. And indeed, they are, you're going to tell the patient in advance what the fee range is for that uh, procedure because patients who receive fee quotes that um, are not, that are much more than what they expected are obviously far less likely to schedule. 
And so people had no, um, no fee estimate. There's still people out there not giving fee estimates. Um, uh, and so people are less likely to schedule. And uh, people who found that their fee estimate was less than expected were four times more likely to schedule. So that statistic tells you if I want to increase scheduling around the component of my consult related to fees, then they need to know the fees in advance or at least the fee range. Now, Marie, and, we, we know how many uh, patients, um, you know, they do shop on price uh, and you know, and there are a lot of time wasters, um, which I hear, you know, numerous times uh, from practices. And if you give your prices, when is when is that good time to give? So you're saying in advance. So is that when they're at the consult or are you sending it before they actually book in for the consult? I've had them on my website um, since for probably 20 years. Okay. Because I have no interest in having someone call me who thinks a tummy tuck is $1,500 and paid for by, uh, you know, Medicare or something. I mean, it just, it does, I don't need to talk to those patients. And if I were, again, just think about a normal consumer process and you were going to decide to buy a car. You're going to consider the price of the car. And then you're going to consider the cars that are within your price range. And so the idea that this very normal consumer buying behavior is somehow not going to occur or it's insulting if it occurs within a surgical decision, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Hmm. And so I, I'm very transparent about pricing. We, we make sure they know it. And we, we make sh because we don't want to waste the physician time and the whole staff time to someone who at the end of a consult then says, gosh, this is really wonderful, but I don't have any money. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, it's, for years there's been this argument, do I show, show prices or d do I not? And no, I think that's a good argument to say putting your prices up there really eliminates some of those um, time wasters and those uh, consumers out there price shopping. Um, just on the photo side, which again I've always had, um, uh, you know, a question at the top of my head is, if clinics and I know a lot out there, they still struggle to create good quality before and after photos. Now, if they don't have them, if they use photos from the supplier, the the, the company that is uh, that they're using, it could be you know um, uh, laser lipo procedure, it could be a filler filler treatment, could they use the company's photos? Um, is that, would that still be better than nothing? Well, it's better than nothing and it's explainable for a young doctor. Uh, but we have a young surgeon joining us right now and we're giving special discounts to patients because we don't have a photo gallery to show them and we're saying we're giving these discounts to people who will allow their photos to be used in office and online because we know of the incredible power that getting a good photo gallery um, going for him. And we had him operate on several of our patients, so we now have um, staff members who can talk about their surgery to someone who comes in. So I just think it's, you know, 
basic 101. You, you, and, and it seems odd if someone doesn't have photos in this day and age. So in terms of your practice, um, how was that set up? What have you done in order to create good, consistent before and after photos that people would know that they are genuine, they are real? Um, what's, your, what's your setup? Uh, well, we're big enough that we have a photographer, and then we use um, we use the TouchMD system for communication, and we can share those photos when they're in in consult, and they can also look at them um, before they come to consultation. We have a very very large gallery on our website, and you can sort by doctor, by procedure, even by uh, some elements of a procedure, like type of procedure, height, weight, and so on. And it just, it's, it's very powerful and useful to patients. Okay. So if someone was, was just starting off and they're, they're not a big practice, I mean, what would you suggest that they just start with to just get some good before and after photos with, with patients? I would focus on the procedures that they're most likely to schedule. So for young doctors, it's breast and body. So just take a few procedures and get your, and that have high interest. And so it would be breast, you know, mommy makeover, tummy tuck, um, and get pictures for those. And uh, then as you, you know, as you go through your career and you get it, get noses or if you're a facial plastic surgeon and you have faces and noses, then just get a good representation um, to help consumers trust the result. And I have always believed in operating on staff uh, because in addition to having someone there who can talk to the patient at that moment about their experience and result, uh, it shows a trust in the physician that's important for uh, potential patients to see. Great. So, Marie, is there anything else that um, you want to bring into yes. this? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, we do. We ask the question about um, what they received in advance and their likelihood to schedule. And so, what we found was that sending an old-fashioned printed brochure and making sure that the patient sees reviews in advance um, increases scheduling rates by 41%. So if you've abandoned your little printed brochure, um, I think you will find that uh, going back to it um, is helpful. And if you don't share ratings and reviews, uh, prior to consult, that will also increase scheduling if you do that. So printed brochures, I mean, that could could they send a digital brochure or is, is, are you saying physical if they print? don't work as well. Yeah, Ironically, I keep scheduling because I send a printed brochure that costs about $5 and I keep waiting and waiting for the data to tell me that I can stop sending that. But it doesn't tell me that. In fact, the distance between sending nothing and sending in a brochure in advance, um, the scheduling difference is, if anything, increasing, perhaps because of the rarity of people actually still doing this. See, we, we found, the Marie, for, for many, many years, as you know, uh, with uh, our, our parent company, Handy Media, I mean, I must have 
with my team uh, to date. I think we've filmed about 6,000 videos for for practices all over the world and um, mainly they're for online and, and we found that by overcoming a lot of the fears that uh, patients had, which were, you know, what's my doctor like? Are they friendly? Are they professional? Am I going to have that connection? What are the facilities like? Are they clean? Are they professional? Um, even hearing from patient stories and things, um, on average, we looked at it and we measured it with our data and um, clinics were getting an average between 22 to even as high as 80% higher conversion rates um, by people booking it, booking in for a consultation off the website just because they felt like they've they've seen the doctor um, you know and it's uh, it's all been uh, done on the online so that couple that makes total, that makes total sense to me and we actually one of the things uh, and I'm I am misspeaking and not stating that video has a similar impact uh, and so it's the sending nothing. It's sending registration forms only. Mm. And so I'm, I'm sure your data is correct. And uh, I, I am working on videos as we speak because I know that um, it will help us increase conversions. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, we always they always talk about print sort of disappearing, but. Um, yeah, uh, one of my one of my business partners still is a is a strong believer of of print. So uh, we still have our print magazines and things like that. And you know, there's still a place for it. And you've got the data to prove it. You know, I think um, patients still want to hold something in their hands and um, um, not. I think we just get bombarded with so much electronic email these days. It's uh, it just gets lost. Yes, and then the the two other points is that if someone knew someone who had the procedure, they were 22% more likely to schedule. So a qualifying question would be, do you know anyone who's had the procedure? And if they say yes, then you have someone who's more likely to schedule. And if they say no, then you want to be sure during that consult they can meet a staff member who's had the procedure to so that you can increase likelihood to schedule. Okay. Well. And then lastly, um, what methodology of follow-up, phone call, email, text, combination um, correlated to scheduling surgery? And it was the good old-fashioned phone call. So if the practice doesn't have their coordinator making follow-up phone calls, then they're sacrificing scheduling rates by, by not having that in place. Okay. Do you have a percentage on that one, or is that uh... – uh, You know, I, I don't, but it was uh, – it's significant. You know, anything over 20% is really significant. Yeah, we found that through our audits that we do for practices um, – we found that out of a thousand audits that we actually uh, looked at properly, was that ninety-two percent of them had really were were had such low scores in the follow-up process. And when we're uh, always uh, coaching um, the practices we work with, we say the first thing you should do is is have a good follow-up process, and that could be literally a phone call, you know. Um, right. And uh, right. makes a huge difference to actually uh, exactly. uh, the revenue, you know, so and scheduling. So that's, uh, that's, that's fascinating. So, I mean, that's great. I mean, that's, I mean there's some really great little um, golden nuggets there for, um, for practices, you know, to, to look at 
are they doing this within the consultation to really, you know, improve that scheduling and um, and at the end of the day keep growing their business? Is there any sort of final uh, final words from you, Marie, before we break off? Well, the one thing I would say is I think backwards, and by that I mean I look at how many cases I want to do every month in my OR. And then I want to have the fewest number of consults possible to yield those cases that I need. And everyone else, I think, they sort of you know, throw spaghetti against the wall. They just keep advertising and driving traffic, and then they don't handle them appropriately in a good process, taking them seriously, following up. And so then they need more. And somebody from Allergan told me the other day that the surgery scheduling rate in our area is down to 40%. And meanwhile, our practice is um, in the 65 range. Mm. So, you know, it just shows, I mean, and so we need many, many fewer patients. And... Most practices have more people leaving not to buy from them than staying to buy. And so think how that impacts your reputation. Yeah, that's that's huge. That is huge. Wow. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's really okay. great. That's fantastic, Marie. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, everyone, thank for listening. You. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week, Marie. Okay, great. Thank you very Bye. much.